Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And today is the Epiphany, which means uh, the revelation that through uh, and means revelation. And throughout this season, as we make our way through to March into the season of Lent, um, we will reflect on this idea of Jesus as the revelation of the one true God for the whole world. And January 6th, it's a wonderful when it falls on a Sunday, always tells us of the arrival of the Magi to worship Jesus. Now, 1,000 years of moralism in Western art, you know, where Magi now look like Venetian merchants, uh, the Virgin Mary looks like a Flemish maiden, Jesus is a Scottish bouncy boy, all set in a quaint English countryside garden, has really, um, has really cleaned the story up from its insightfulness and at the same time strangeness of this visit, which would have struck all of the first readers as shocking and uh, slightly offensive. We miss the fact that after chapter one, which deals with genealogies and shepherds, in chapter two, Matthew is articulating what the epiphany, what the life of Jesus is actually all about for the whole world. Now, as many of you know, Matthew's gospel was written to a Jewish church. It's the most Hebraic of the gospels. And the point of Matthew is he is demonstrating that Jesus is the Messiah. And so after the shepherds, this second group of visitors, the magi, this would have been scandalous, scandalous to the first readers, and it would have been scandalous to the first readers for two reasons. The first was that magis were not kings. This was a tradition that developed out of the medieval church, but magi, this is where we get our word magician from. They were astrologers from Persia, probably from the land of what is today, would have been like on the border of Iran and Iraq, the land of Mede. And uh, the book of Daniel tells us that the Magi were interpreters of the kings of Persia's dreams. Indeed, uh, Daniel was a member of the Magi. He was one of the members of the Magi. You can read about it in chapter 4 of the book of Daniel. And I've often wondered as I was thinking about this sermon was, did these Magi have access to like some of Daniel's prophecies which speak of the Son of Man? The other interesting thing that um, I know is that the, the, the Persians had constellations for every nation that they had conquered. And so that there was a constellation for Judah. And uh, was there a star there? Well, there's a lot of people that think that there was some sort of like planetary kind of, you know, whatever planets do that made a really bright, uh, bright light in the sky in the constellation of Judah. Now, but that's not important. What's important is the babe in the manger. And you see, what would have really offended these people is that um, magicians are showing up. Magicians, these practicers of sorcery and astrology, uh, consulters of chicken bones and all the, all the rest. And you know, and any time you hear somebody say, be like a wise man, um, you know, like that's not necessarily the way to go just on your own because wise men practice magic. And uh, it's condemned in the Bible. And uh, it is understood to be a rival and a false religion. And so this is why it's offensive to the first readers. Uh, these people who have access to a false religion as opposed to the one true God are showing up. So the first thing, this would have been the first thing that would have stuck out to everybody all of the Hebraic readers, the Jewish readers, was the king of Israel, 
the king of the Jews has been born. And these pagan magicians seem to be in on the news before it even made headlines in Jerusalem. This is extraordinary, and this is extremely, extremely offensive. So that's the first thing. The second thing that would have stuck out to all of the first readers was this, what the Magi had come to do. They tell Herod, we see in our reading today, for we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. They had come to worship him. Now, what is significant about this is that the last time in Jewish history anyone came from the east, they did not come to pay homage to the king of Israel. They came to destroy him, and indeed they did. They destroyed the temple, they carried everything away with them, and uh, by the rivers of Babylon, the people of uh, Judah and Israel sat down. Uh, And there they remembered Zion, and it wasn't until King Cyrus allowed them to return did they make it back. But this is my first point. Matthew, by telling us about the visit of the Magi, is giving us an epiphany into how God actually works. You have sorcerers, practitioners of a false religion, uh, enemies of God showing up, and this is who God is revealing his gospel to, those who are tainted and blinded by false religion. And never forget, this is what he continues to do with all of us today. As St. Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians in chapter 1, he says, Once you were alienated from God and you were not having a bad hair day, but you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. What would have stuck out to everybody? The first point of the epiphany is that God is the one who reaches out. And God reaches out to his enemies because he wants the whole world to come and be reconciled to him. God gives these magicians signs to follow. A star in the sky. He gives them the word from the prophets in Jerusalem. And they come and they fall on their face and they worship Jesus. Now, I believe when the Magi walked into the home of the child and Mary, that would have been something else that would have stuck out to them, the child and Mary, not Joseph's home, but the child and Mary. When the Magi walked in there, unbeknownst to them, God was prophetically working through these gifts to foreshadow the ultimate epiphany of what Jesus has come to do for the whole world that he would be our savior. Because there is profound significance to each of the two gifts given to Jesus. The first gift was gold. And gold was not only the standard gift given to a king throughout his lifetime, this was the primary metal used in the temple where sacrifices took place, which leads to the second gift presented to Jesus, frankincense. This is what you smell right now. The translation is literally pure incense. And this was the incense used in the temple in connection with special offerings and sacrifices. Did I say two gifts? Gold, frankincense? Oh, wait, there's myrrh. Get it? Like from, that was a terrible joke. Anyway, 
I thought it was really funny at the time, and I was like, I'm going to go for it. But anyway, like, a, you know, there's more. But anyway, there's myrrh. So oh, anyway, strength and weakness. But anyway, um, the third gift that is given is myrrh. And this was a spice used to prepare a royal body for burial. And it was also used in connection with sacrifices in the temple. Now, when we read this passage, as a result, as I said, of centuries of moralistic readings of the Bible, we begin now, the sermon begins to shift and everybody begins to think about what we can give to God. You know, what good things now are you going to bring to Jesus this year? And our hope begins to rest in what we do. And when you think about this sort of thinking, religiously speaking, it is no different than magic because it seeks to control the creator with our deeds and piety. It tells us cruelly that if only I can give king-like gifts, then maybe, just maybe this year I might receive a little king-like love. If only I could give God a really good thing, then maybe God will be really good to me. And my brothers and sisters, that is to miss the point completely of the epiphany. It is to miss completely the point of the Magi visit. And it is completely to miss the point of the gospel and Christianity altogether. And this is my second point. The gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh are an epiphany that foreshadow who Jesus is. Not only for just the Jews not only for the Magi, but for the whole world. It foreshadows that indeed Jesus is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. And it also foreshadows what he has done for us, offering his life as a fragrant offering to God to atone for our sins on the cross. And he does this, and this epiphany comes to us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might put aside once and for all our pious notions of earning something from God. And it also might actually free you up to finally give Jesus the only thing we can give him, our sin. You want to bring something to the manger this year? Bring your sin. Bring your bad consciences that keep you up at night. Bring your perdition. Bring all of your brokenness. For this king lying in the manger is the king of the Jews who will die upon a cross and on the third day rise again and is the only king who will take our mess upon his shoulders and make them his crown of glory. What a glorious epiphany it is that we have a king who in exchange for your sin gives you his righteousness as St. Paul says today which is now by faith yours forever. The Magi, they had a divine encounter. But pitch Western art. I love Western art. I love going to the Met and hanging out there. But pitch Western art for a second. They had a divine encounter in the most undivine of ways. There were no fireworks. There were no halos pressed in gold leaf. There was nothing but a young girl and the baby in that home probably not looking so regal. And in a moment, we also will have a divine encounter in the most undivine of ways. 
around this table where we will partake in bread that is his body and wine that is his blood. And when God encounters you, my brothers and sisters, in those means, he will never leave you the same. Matthew tells us this in his gospel. Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left their own, to their own country, but via a different road. When Christ encounters you today, believe me, you're going to go back to your life. You'll go back to your jobs. You'll go back to your community. You'll go back to your homes, but by a different road, the road of faith in the promises of God that extend throughout time from Bethlehem and meet you right here at Calvary Church in New York City. And this is my third point, the epiphany for us today, the gospel. It does something to us, and it's profound. And what does it do? It justifies you. It makes you holy. And it sanctifies you all at once, right before God, whether you see it or not. And it does this because God says it does it. God says he does this, full stop. And where the gospel is heard, and where the gospel is believed and received by faith, it makes us new people. It indeed makes us truly wise men and wise women, not magi, but wise men and wise women in the way of faith. And beginning down this aisle, Christ has given each and every one of us a new road to walk, a new way of seeing yourself, a new way of thinking altogether. Christian, the road you now walk is the road of forgiveness, the road of being embraced by God when you don't think you deserve it. And this road for now, it's going to place you back in the world. But it's going to place you back in the world to do something specific. And that's to shine as the stars in the darkness for the sake of your neighbor, reflecting he that is light of light, true God of true God for all. So maybe your neighbor someday might have the gift of the same epiphany you and I have received. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.